0: You are listening to the
1: Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind-the-scenes juice on Bachelor in Paradise and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve.
0: going on everybody welcome to podcast number 147 i am your host reality steve thank you all for tuning in got a great show for you this week episode number 147 and it is with a former guest of ours came on about a year ago it's realityblur.com's andy dennart we have a lot of good discussion uh, about three shows going on right now bachelor in paradise survivor which starts in a couple weeks and the current season of big brother Some really interesting discussion about Andy, which I'll dive into in a second. But as always, please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. It is much appreciated. It is helpful to the podcast. You have no idea how much it helps. We've had some great advertisements recently. We definitely want to keep those going to keep the podcast going as well. Also, um, as I explained in yesterday's column, I will be releasing a lot of the women. I don't know the exact number. I know I have 17 now. I got another one today. I don't know how many of those 17 I'm going to release. It's not going to be like five. Trust me. I'm not going to drag it out. Um, Maybe I'll do 10. Maybe I'll do 12. Save some. I, I don't know yet. I might do all. I might do everything I have. I haven't determined yet. I have to put all the profiles together this weekend. Last weekend, as you know, I was out of town. I was in Vegas. I got nothing done in terms of putting together profiles. So I've got to get around to that this weekend. And those are not hard whatsoever. It's just very, very time consuming to find and link to their Facebook page, their LinkedIn page. If they had one, their Instagram page, their Twitter account. Uh, those are the four that I try and link to for every profile. Um, and then get biggest, basic, basic information that I have to put it out there. Also choose about five to seven pictures for each one, even though a lot of them are on Instagram and you can just look on there, but I like to include them. So I don't make you click to go see each of their pictures. I just have it right there for you, but that just takes time. Not hard whatsoever. It's just very, very time consuming to include all those links and download pictures and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, like I, have said it a couple times. I said it in reader emails. I believe I said it last week as well. This, this rumor going around that they're, that they're not going after influencers. Uh, couldn't be further from the truth. Um, you know, not, not, I shouldn't say that every single girl on the show is going to be an in- influencer or something like that or is an influencer, but it's just one of these things where they're not changing from what works for them. You've got your set of models on the show this season, you've got your set of people who've got a decent amount of followers already because they have some sort of notoriety. Um, you'll see when, when it's released. You're going to look at this cast and be like, okay, this looks like every other cast we've ever had, but, um, Unless all these women are extremely photogenic, as I've said, this is one of the better-looking casts that I've ever seen. And uh, a lot of good-looking women this season. So I have no idea about their personalities. Maybe they will be a complete bunch of hot messes, and it'll be a complete train wreck. I have no idea what these women are like. I can only go off of what I see on Instagram, what I see on their Facebook pages and whatnot, and um, just looks-wise. I mean, very, very attractive group. But, you know, the whole notion about uh, influencers... This show really doesn't cast influencers off the bat. What happens is these women and the men get a taste of Hollywood and get a taste of being adored by random strangers on the Internet, and that increases their following. And then if you get over 500,000 or 750,000 or a million followers, then you drop whatever job you had and become an influencer. So to say they cast influencers, I wouldn't necessarily say that because... To cast an influencer means you're casting somebody who already has in the six figures in the amount of followers, and none of these women do. Uh, Very few people in the history of the show have ever come on the show already with over a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. Most of them, you know, I remember Cassie last year had less than ten thousand. Now she's at what one point seven million. You know, same goes for a lot of these people. They're like the only people that follow them are unless they're we're famous for something, you know, whether they're in the pageant world or something like that, and they have a small following. Most of the people have like 2,000 followers, 5,000 followers. And then after they get off the show, by the time the show is over, if they last long enough, they have over a million. So it's it's becoming an influencer after the fact is where it really happens. So just keep that in mind. Um, But, yeah, um, I, I do uh, want to just get to today's interview. You're going to really love Andy Dennard. He's really got some interesting takes. Uh, On this, And and in case you didn't know this about Andy, we we talk about it in the podcast. He brings it up first. I was going to bring it up to him. Andy is a gay man. So we spend a good portion of the first half of the podcast talking about what went on this season on Bachelor in Paradise and this gender fluid season of Are You the One? Because Andy has written a piece about it. I've linked to it in today's column. Check that out. And I, I just thought it was really interesting as a gay man, what he thought about the representation of same-sex couples on Are You the One This Season and Bachelor in Paradise. So here we go, realityblurred.com's Andy Denart with podcast number 147. All right, let's uh, bring in our guest. Uh, he is a member of the Television Critics Association. He's a teacher of journalism and creative writing at Stetson University, and he's also the owner of realityblurred.com. For the second time, it's Andy Denart. Any, how are you? Hey, good Steve. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, I know you're down in Florida. How bad was the wrath of uh, Dorian for you? Did you survive it? Very, very minimal,
1: thankfully, uh, compared to other hurricanes, and especially compared to what Dorian did in the Bahamas and the Carolinas. So we were fortunate this time, but um, yeah, no, other people were not. So yeah. thinking about them.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, it was. I know that we we had talked last week about possibly recording this last week, and you were like. I'd love to, but uh, we have a hurricane <laughs> headed our way, and right. I don't want to put you out, so I just wanted to make sure that everything was good on, on your end. And like you said, it was it was minimal on your side, you know, thankfully. But um, yep. I, I want to jump into something that you wrote about uh, earlier this week, and um, it, it's in regards to "Are You the One" and "The Bachelor" handling same sex uh, relationships this season, because "Are You the One" went with a full, I guess, gender fluid cast, um, and obviously for the first time in God knows how many seasons the bachelor decided to dive into a serious relationship between uh, two members of the same sex with Demi and Christian. And I mean, the thing is I don't watch, are you the one I'm, I, I I'm kind of even confused about the concept of it based on what I read <laughs> online. I don't get what they're supposed to do and they all have to have it be a perfect match at the end to split the money or whatever, but just go over, are you the one for people who didn't watch the season explain exactly what they did.
1: Yeah. So I'm also not I I've not watched every single season of are you the one in I'm similar to you in that I'm kind of generally confused by it, or at least don't buy into the concept of it. The general concept is that MTV casts a reality show similar to the challenge, those uh, same types of people, but then match makes them somehow. So everyone in the house has a perfect match and in every previous season, there's been a number of women, a number of men, and they obviously are matching with each other. And and I say obviously just because that's been the assumption, that they're all straight and looking for an opposite-sex partner. Um, if they all figure out who their quote-unquote perfect matches are, uh, they win the prize, which is a million dollars over 30 years. So it's not that much money, especially since they're splitting it between themselves. Yeah. Um, But basically what happened this season was instead of casting just the normal group of straight men and straight women, the show cast entirely um, in a season full of gender fluid and sexually fluid people. So everyone was potentially attracted to everyone else. And I mean, that's not how... Sexually sexually fluid people are not necessarily attracted to every single person, but there was essentially an an infinite number of possibilities compared to a normal season when you just are kind of like, which guy is going to hook up with which girl? Um, So it added a lot of complexity in that formula, but it also, I think, for the first time really showed a diversity of people who don't identify within that really strict Um, straight gay uh, even bisexual binary Um, so people are just don't maybe don't even define themselves uh, with those kinds of words or um, are attracted to people not based on their bodies or their gender expression so just a much more interesting cast than ever before because the other casts have been very much the same
0: Yeah. Um, so on this season did they have obviously they had women with women and men with men did they even did they have heterosexual couples too so they had three different
1: types of couples that ended up together yeah i mean men and women did end up together sort of as perfect matches and also just in various um kinds of flirtations and, and hookups and stuff um i don't think they would identify themselves as heterosexual or straight just for the record they're like they just happen to be attracted to or having sex with or matched up with someone of the opposite sex but yeah so there was there was female-female, male-male, uh, male-female. And then there's also people who don't use male or female to define themselves, including um, a, a trans man who describes himself more complexly than that, um, but also other people who just didn't use those labels. So it makes it harder to talk and write about because there's, again, a lot more labels, a lot more um, possibilities. But um, again, I think that makes it also for more interesting TV because infinite possibilities.
0: And you... And you, when you wrote your piece on Monday about it, you were very complimentary of the cast and how the show was handled, correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think they did an excellent job of, um, I mean, it's still an MTV reality show. They're still in their 20s and getting drunk and hooking up. And there was a couple fights, although significantly fewer than an average season. But yes, I think for the most part, in terms of the way they handled the cast's sexuality, um, the cast identities, like they did a fantastic job.
0: The problem with it ended up being the fact that nobody saw it. And, you right. know, in your in, – in your, in your in just comparing the two, obviously we know The Bachelor is a much more established franchise. It's been around 17 years. It's on network TV. But just to give people just a glimpse uh, of it, um, last week's Are You The One episode had 238,000 viewers on Monday. Last Monday's episode of Bachelor in Paradise drew four – Four million, and you know, and a one point one rating, and that was on a Labor Day. Um, and this drew right. a, this drew a point one uh, rating in the eighteen to forty nine demo, so you could see where, you know, it's MTV. Of course, cable shows really aren't going to get the numbers that a network show does. It's just kind of the way things work, unless your name is Game of Thrones. Um, right. But in the reality realm, I mean, it does it does suck. But you said the way it was portrayed was handled. I would say a lot better than i guess bachelor in paradise
1: yeah i think so i think so like and it's it is disappointing that the ratings were so low and mtv also moved it around to multiple time slots and for the end switched nights and kind of gave up on it i think and also i don't think marketed it very well so i think one thing you can just say is that the bachelor and abc market themselves much much better um you know, sometimes in problematic or manipulative ways, but they basically get people to tune in and show up um, and MTV, MTV is just struggling period. They want, and like, they're just desperate for viewers. Uh, they're losing their audience um, as everyone is, but they're losing it at a much more rapid pace. So um, it is disappointing that few people saw this. Um, I hope more people sort of, find it you you know either either now or on streaming or maybe they're catching up um because they don't actually have cable because they're millennials or gen z or whatever and are not uh you know watching on at while it's airing live but
0: yeah i mean it's it's tough because like you said i mean mean, mtv i I think i mean i correct me if i'm wrong but over the years they've probably been the most progressive in terms of same-sex relationships in the past whether it was real world or road rules back in the day like they were the first ones to really bring this bring it to light and actually show it on tv however like you said it's on cable and it's done in the mtv way which maybe isn't handled as great up until maybe the season of are you the one is that is that fair to say that they were kind of the pioneers in all this
1: yeah definitely and i think you know all the way back to real world in the 90s and just having um, gay, bisexual characters on television who hadn't been part of... Like, that. I think some of those people were the very first real-life gay people that any of us um, saw on television. Yeah. So it was it was pretty groundbreaking. And I think, you know, early real world, compared to MTV today, basically looks like a PBS documentary. Yeah. It's It was that straightforward and just very um, realistic about what it was showing. So, um, yeah. And, and MTV has continued to breaks and boundaries sometimes in ways that are not so great like they had the tila tequila bisexual dating reality show about 10 years ago and i don't think that that was handled with the kind of um shall we say like grace or finesse that are you the one was this year um so they've they've had some missteps but for sure they've been on the forefront of sort of pushing the culture forward and I guess that's obviously MTV's brand also. Yeah,
0: and I think it's, you know especially in the past and more recently I guess it's been the feeding ground for the challenge which is their I guess you could say their featured show and what they want people to ultimately turn into uh to tune into and you yep. know I I think when you when you wrote your piece on Monday it was interesting because it talked about you know this how, how are you the one did it this season compared to what we're seeing on, um, you know, Bachelor in Paradise with, you know, for the first time ever having a same-sex couple on there? I know that you've I know that you're not a, a diehard watcher of Paradise, but you're aware of what's happened this season. Uh, what what are your takes on it and just overall in general how the show handled it?
1: I mean, I think then the first part, like in terms of handling the way um, she talked to her castmates about having attraction that was, you know, that she hadn't sort of paid attention to for a while. And she was sort of figuring out her identity and um, that she was interested in women in addition to men. I think that was handled really well. And just like there were there were great conversations that she was allowed to have. And um, and by allowed, I just mean that the editing included it and didn't you know bastardize it or turn it or delete it or whatever um i think the fact that the show had to basically import her existing girlfriend in order for there to be a single option for her to date on bachelor in paradise um, is a good indication of the show's priority which is having straight couples Um, and as i wrote in that piece you referenced i think it's just a reflection of abc's conservatism they are really scared of losing viewers in the same way that MTV is, for example. But, you know, they when they experimented by casting a Black Bachelorette, ratings dropped. And they basically were like, okay, uh, we're not going to do that again because we're scared that we're going to lose, you know, even more people. So I think they're going to stick with their formula. But this was just like a tiny toe in the water compared to Are You the One? Um, I think, you know, decently done at first but also um, revealed essentially as you and I both know, and as you write about a lot, um, how produced the bachelor and franchise is yeah. and how much all of this is basically just like the producers pulling strings behind the scenes, which is including like, you know, they cast her because they knew they were going to bring her girlfriend in. Like none of that was a surprise in the way that they suggested it was.
0: Yeah. And I think here's the weird thing for me in that the fact that, yeah, I, I was the one who brought it up. Kind of months ago before this ever hit air of like, look, it was well known that this was going to be the storyline. There was no surprise on Demi's part. They knew they were. She knew Christian was coming on at some point. She had talked about it with production. I don't think she I don't think maybe when the first day of filming started, they said, "Okay, day eight, we're going to bring her in. I think she knew at some point her girlfriend was being brought in. She just didn't know the exact day. So it's like semantics here, but it's still. When Chris Harrison sits Demi down and says, how can we make this good for you? And then, you know, Chris Harrison pretending to not know that they are going to bring in the girlfriend. Like, that's the part that I, (laughs) you know, that I like to report. However, I have had a lot of people in the LGBT community come to me this season and say, look, Steve, I get what you're saying. And I get that this show is pre-produced and whatnot. But we don't get any representation on network TV ever, basically. And I really, while yes, it is produced, these people are saying they're really enjoying watching a a same-sex couple carry out a same-sex relationship on television. And so maybe I looked at it wrong in that, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I mean, maybe I focused on the negative aspect of it where it has turned into a positive for people in the LGBT community. Uh, because I've heard from them directly, who've come to me and said, "Look, yeah, it might be produced, but just the fact that
1: we're seeing this is progress." Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think I think ultimately representation is good, um, and I come at it from the same angle as you do. Even as a gay person myself, yeah. I am like I am basically saying like this is just more of the Bachelor producing itself, but. Like, I'm thrilled that The Bachelor is now producing a same-sex relationship in the way it has produced so many uh, um, opposite-sex relationships over the years. So, like, basically, we're, we're sort of catching up a tiny bit and allowing, um, you know, bisexuality to have a moment on the show. I think that's progress. I, I think, though, also, I am always going to demand more of my television and of producers, and I want them to stop being so fucking scared all the time of everything yeah. and losing viewers and just, like, do something a little more interesting. Like, maybe, I'm, I'm sure in Bachelor history, there are more than one, there's there's more than one bisexual person, um Demi is probably not the only one. And so maybe cast a few of those people on bachelor in paradise and see if you get some connections there. Um, but they did what they did. I, I will say that, yes, like that representation is good. Um, but also I want more because that's the kind of TV watcher and critic that I am.
0: Yeah. It's almost like it's good, but you know, congratulations on, on joining us in 2019. Like it's almost like it's about time, you know, how exactly. l- <laughs> how long has it been? And, I mean, do you find it, like you said, as a gay man yourself, do you find it exploitative that they did it this way as opposed to... Because I think one issue that I had when I found out this happened, you know, I had heard that her girlfriend's going to come on the show at some point. I thought once the girlfriend came on the show, they were just going to leave. Like, it was like, okay, yeah, okay, now just go carry on your relationship off air because this girl wasn't part of Bachelor Nation which right. where people say is breaking the rules, but there really are no rules on this show. I didn't really care that she wasn't Bachelor Nation. I don't think that affected me at all. Um, I just thought it was a little... I was like, why did they... I, I felt the reason she got to stay was because it was a same-sex couple and they wanted to say, hey, everybody, look at us. We 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 love the LGBT community when they've really done nothing for it in the past. That's where I found it a little exploitative as opposed to just because if Demi had a boyfriend back home that they brought on that she wanted clarity on he wouldn't have gotten to stay she just would have left right. with him that's where exactly. i found a little bit exploitative i mean is that fair
1: i think that's i think that's 100% fair and i especially like uh i am perpetually bothered by chris harrison and his smarminess and his demand for sort of credit for all this stuff that not even he is doing he's sort of kind of the front of the production but it's just it's like i think i wrote a version of this like he's dipping his toe in the ocean and being like look at me i swam around the world and it's like okay just like let's calm down a tiny bit here um because it's it's not it's not that great again i will say yes like ultimately like is zero is one better than zero definitely um so yeah but it, it also like like you pointed out the fact that she's sort of stuck around and she's not a member member of bachelor nation it, it does an interesting thing where i think it kind of highlights to the audience like how um manufactured this all is but there's also the flip side which is like it's manufactured for um, a bisexual woman. And so now or are like, is that person sort of, it's like, oh, look what you're doing for gay people. Like you're breaking, quote unquote, breaking the rules or whatever. Um, so now like, does it sort of problematize this relationship for fans in a way that it wouldn't if it was just Bachelor Nation people who happen to be same sex who were hooking up?
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, I wonder in the future, I mean, it's because the concept of the Bachelor and the Bachelorette is to form, you know, the Bachelor and the Bachelorettes that they've cast have been, as far as we know, heterosexual men and women. So they're going to put a cast together that is mainly heterosexual because they don't want the cast falling for each other. I've heard that this has happened in, like, I think Bachelor Philippines or Bachelor Vietnam right. where two of the the women in the, in the house fell for each other and left the show together or something along those lines. Um, so I don't think it really changes – how the bachelor is going to be shown because they want to keep that. Like you said, they're very conservative network. Um, you know, the Demi stuff is interesting only because I don't know when they knew um, that she was involved with women in her, in her past because I knew about it. And I don't know if she didn't tell them till after she got off Colton season. And then they said, Oh, well, why don't we think about exploring this? Or when she was interviewing to go on paradise, she said, hey, I've just started seeing uh, this girl. Is there any way we can bring her on or whatever? I, d- I don't know where it goes from here. I-, I-, I think when Peter's season of The Bachelor starts filming in a couple weeks, I'm guessing all of the women are going to be heterosexual, Um, and I don't think it's going to change much. But, right, you know, I I, mean, I-, I don't really know. It's-, it's hard to say. But knowing this network and knowing this show, I don't think we're going to get a lot of, like, all of a sudden there's going to be a bunch of, Bisexual contestants on the show. That'd be my guess.
1: Yeah, um, I think I think you're totally right. And and I, and I also think that we can give ABC and Bachelor uh, franchise a little more credit if they cast uh, a bisexual man um, or there's people in the future who because just think, you know, like this is nothing about Demi herself, um, but bisexuality and women is much more, more societally acceptable in part because of the way we sexualize women. Yeah. Um, and that is, so it's like, it's a much easier thing for them to present to their conservative audience. Um, and, I think you know to go to like sort of take a little tangent here, one of the things that we've talked about before is just the diversity of the Bachelor franchise in general and and the leads that they cast. And one thing that when TV critics like me started pushing against this a few years ago pretty hard, um, ABC executives were sort of like, well, we draw from within the franchise. And so well we have to we can't just cast a black bachelor. We have to start populating the bachelorette season and other seasons with people who the audience will grow to love. And then we can have someone naturally and organically become, um, you know, the lead of the show. And I think they've done a better job of casting people in terms of racial diversity. So they can definitely take some steps forward there. I don't think they're going to do the same thing with sexual diversity in part, just because this show is basically a heterosexual fantasy. Like it's essentially a Disney fairy tale, on ABC for adults and wrapped up in all those same tropes. Um, but you know, maybe we'll be surprised.
0: All right, guys, let's take a break real quick. I want to talk to you again about Greenlight. Greenlight card helps teach kids how to be smart with money with debit card for kids that parents manage with a handy app. Greenlight is an easy solution to transfer money to your kids without having to search for an ATM to take out cash. Greenlight also offers parents the ability to decide the exact stores where their kids can spend the opportunity to craft customized chore lists and an automated allowance function. Greenlight believes that kids learn through doing. That's why the Greenlight app teaches lessons in trade-off decisions and money management skills that children will use as adults. The kids' version of the Greenlight app encourages them to monitor balances, set savings goals, and track their progress. I wish Greenlight was around when I was in middle school. I told you my nephew is learning about his money management skills in seventh grade now. I don't even remember... When I first started learning about money and management and the value of a dollar and how to write a check, I don't believe I even learned that till college. I know I didn't have a checking account till college. So, um, the fact that Greenlight is doing this now very helpful to kids. My nephew loves it. My sister loves it. He's learning how to do it a lot better. He's learning how to manage the little money that he has a lot better. So, check it out. Join Greenlight today at greenlightcard.com/slash Steve. That's greenlightcard.com slash Steve. Now let's get back to Andy Dennard uninterrupted for the remainder of the podcast. I want to move on to uh, survivor real quick, because I know that uh, obviously you're a fan. I'm a fan of survivor. Uh, you're a, you're a harsher critic on survivor than I am, but uh, I do read all your stuff regarding it. And I think you bring up a lot of good points and how the show has changed over the years. Mostly when, when, when probes has become the showrunner, how things have changed Now, What's interesting is season 39 cast was just officially released to the public. It's been out there for a month or so. Um, And for the first time in a while, I think one of the issues that you always had with the show of them just casting a bunch of good looking people in their 20s is this cast is kind of an older cast. I believe I read half the cast is over 30, which is like a miracle for them. They haven't done that in a long time. So what is your initial impression of this cast for season 39? Island, yeah, no, Island of the Idols, which is a stupid title, by the way.
1: <laughs> it is. Their their titles are getting terrifying, terrifyingly bad, and they're they're almost like jokes. When I hear them, when production starts, I'm like, no, that can't possibly be it. But then it's that's it. Is. Yeah. Um, I think that yeah, I think you're entirely right. The cast is much more um diverse in in many ways, age being one of them, and that's something that I really appreciate. They also look really interesting, and the first impressions that we get from these interviews and brief clips are. You know, sometimes really accurate, sometimes obviously proved to be a different way. I think the thing that I'm sort of hesitating on, and I don't want to just be like, you know, a, criticizing something that I'm kind of looking forward to also. But the fact that they've brought back Rob and Sandra this season and have literally constructed like 40 foot tall <laughs> sculptures of their heads or what's supposed to look like their heads. I don't think they look anything like them. Yeah. Um but I'm just worried that now we're going to get all this Sandra and Rob time and not get to know this, these new cast members. Um, and then we're we're also getting Sandra and Rob next season for season 40, which is all winners competing. Um, so we're going to have them on our TVs for an entire year. And when you have a great cast, or at least one that, again, on paper looks that way, I'm I want them to shine. I want them to have their moments so they can become Rob or Sandra or Coach or... You know, whoever, Tina, on their own.
0: Yeah, I and as far as we know, I don't want to know spoilers. I, the only thing I care about spoiler-wise on Survivor is I don't care about knowing the cast beforehand. I don't care about knowing the theme. That's fine with me. Um, I don't even know if there are spoilers out there for who won season 39 or, or 40. If there is, I don't want to know it. But yeah, do, I don't know either. Do we know if Rob and Sandra this season have any sort of competing in them or is this literally just like some sort of you get out you get i think i believe they've already officially announced that there is some sort of exile island where once you get voted out you don't leave the game and you get to go talk to rob and Sandra or something along those lines are they competing at all
1: um no but yes and so i'll explain so they're not in the contention for the million dollars there's not going to be a moment at which they enter and join the tribes which is i think all of our fear so that's good to know um it's Also, they've for this season at least they've gotten rid of um, the uh, exile, not exile island. What did they call um, Edge of Extinction from last year? That was another dumb name. Yeah. Uh, So that's not coming back. So when you're voted out this season, you're out, which is good. But. Um, if you remember ghost Island from a few years ago where they had all these sort of artifacts from the past of survivor yeah. and occasionally someone would get sent there and they would have a church. Tr- tr- some of them would get the option to play a dumb little game of chance and then they could like gamble their vote for like a chance to win immunity or something like that. And um, so they're basically doing a version of that where people will get sent to this Island with Robin Sandra's heads and Robin and Sandra, Robin Sandra will teach them some kind of survivor skill and then challenge them to some kind of test. So in the very first episode, this is just a mild spoiler, the person who gets sent there is going to um, be taught how to make fire and then be challenged in a fire-making competition. Um, If they beat Rob or Sandra in that, then they will uh, win something. If they don't, then they will lose something. Um, And Rob and Sandra have the ability to negotiate both the consequence and the reward. So it sounds like they're going to spend a lot of time on this kind of dynamic of, like, players being mentored by and then competing in these mini-challenges um, against Rob and Sandra.
0: Okay, so I'm assuming that means that when we have our first challenge of the season, someone from that losing tribe will be voted on by the winning tribe, like, hey, you need to go exactly to, not exile, but like you said, Edge of Extinction or whatever they want to call it. And yeah. that will be, so you're going to that island while still in the game, get some sort of knowledge, get some sort of skill there, come back in the game, join it and then join for before immunity challenge and then compete there. But, um, or or be given an advantage. advantage. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And if you haven't, maybe you have an advantage, maybe you lose your ability to vote in the next tribal council. Um, and it's, it's also one of the, like, this is where survivor kind of annoys me in the the Jeff Probst era. Like they're doing this thing where they're going to keep all of this secret. Um, so like Robin Sander are going to try to convince people who show up at this Island to not tell anyone about them, um, or that they're there. So, I don't know what the point of all that is, like, uh, besides just, I guess, trying to add a little bit of drama. But um, I'm sure at some point in the game, it will be opened up and everyone will know what's going on. Yeah, I was
0: going to say if enough people go, different people go to that island, I just can't imagine people not sharing the fact that, hey, Rob and Sandra are here and they're helping us. I I just can't imagine it's not going to get brought up. And What, the whole season, nobody on this cast, nobody in this 18 or 20 people is going to know that Robin Sander are out there? Like, I got to imagine.
1: And Jeff Jeff Ropes even said that he wants people to think that the title of the season, Island of the Idols, refers to hidden immunity idols, but it actually refers to idols like people who we idolize. Rob and sandra and so that's like a big fake out which again that's just come on like we we have like survivor is great without that kind of stuff like we don't need that kind of crap on top of it
0: i just realized i was fooled by that i just
1: i just thought it was idols yes oh sorry yeah so it's, it's, i apologize for spoiling survivor
0: yeah i didn't, I, I didn't realize that. okay that makes sense now because i was like wait a second they're gonna be an, an island full of idols. No, it's idols as in we idolize robin m or robin uh, sandra Interesting. Um, so you mentioned earlier uh, about season forty. If for those that don't know, season forty is going to be a season of all past winners. The cast list is out there; you can easily find it. Um, I think it's twenty past winners, uh, yep. ten and two teams. So it's going to be two tribes of ten. Um, I know for years this has been brought up, and Probst has always said he didn't think they could even gather a cast of twenty winners that their audience would care about. Um, and now they're doing it. Um, obviously we haven't seen it. It's not going to start airing until February, but do you like this concept of all winners?
1: Yeah, no, I'm thrilled. I'm definitely one of those fans who's always wanted to see this. Um, I'm excited that they're finally doing it. I thought we would not actually get it because of the reason you decided, which is Probst uh, basically saying that he didn't think that could ever happen. Um, what ended up happening, I think that makes it a little more possible, is that they have essentially cast every single winner from most recent seasons. From seasons 22 to 37, every single winner except two of them will be here. So it's like going to be really heavy on recent. Like, there's a, there'll be a lot of recent winners. Um, but they have also gone back into the past. And so we have um, Ethan and Jenna and... Amber and obviously Sandra and Yule, so we're we're getting back into the past a little bit too. So I'm thrilled and excited about it. The one thing that I am absolutely livid about is that they're also bringing back Edge of Extinction for this season. So instead of just letting 40 amazing competitors play Survivor like it has always been, they're going to send the people who get voted off to the Edge of Extinction, um, where. As we all saw last season, like someone basically sat and became friends with the jury for 90% of the game and then came back in and played a few more days and won, which is just, I think, absurd that a winner of Survivor would be someone who hasn't competed in challenges, hasn't had to go to Tribal Council over and over again. It's, it's pretty ridiculous.
0: Yeah. And did I, did I read this correctly? And maybe I'm making this up in my own head, but it, for season 40, for the all-winner season, are they going to a $2 million prize or did I make that up?
1: No, they are. That is correct.
0: Okay. That is that is yeah. right. Okay, so that's interesting. It's interesting as long as Sandra doesn't win. I don't need her winning 3 times. I can't imagine a world that we live in where somebody would vote her again to win. Um but <laughs> who knows? If she
1: did know it, if like I I would also be up for someone else winning, but I know if Sandra wins for a third time, I mean like a I think her ego of talking about herself as the queen of survivor will be Um, completely impossible to contain, but it will also be completely awesome and amazing because how is she able to convince people three seasons to like never vote her out once? Like that's pretty spectacular gameplay. I
0: don't even know how she did it the second time when she won. I I can't even, I remember it was the some sort of all-star format, right? When she came on and I can't remember if it was all all all-stars or it was like fans versus favorites or something. I can't remember what season it was that she won the second time, but I was like, I cannot believe they voted for her again when she, She's one of those people that kind of just—I don't want to say she doesn't strategize or whatever—but it just seems like she skates and just rides the coattails of other people, and then just says, "Hey, as long as you don't—long as as my name's not out there, I'm good."
1: And it's a—the funny thing is, it's a strategy that worked two seasons in a row, and it's not the most dramatic, but—but um, but yeah. Um, just as a quick tangent about season forty, just yeah. another little format thing for fun uh, is that this is another element they're introducing at the start of the game. All the contestants are going to get some money uh quote unquote money and they're going to be able to like spend it on things like comfort items and advantages and rewards so they're basically taking this survivor auction and spreading it out through the entire season and giving them the chance to sort of like buy stuff um I don't exactly know what or how much money or how much things will quote unquote cost but there's going to be that added dimension to besides Edge of extinction besides all winners
0: yeah that that could be interesting because the auction they've kind of done away with we haven't seen that in a while um right. as a one at a one-off episode thing yep so i guess that that could be interesting i think I, I think one of the things you also write about in terms of the show is obviously taking season 40 out of the mix because that is all past winners and they didn't have to go through a big casting list to to find the contestants for that season um is you've always had an issue with how they they cast the show and Kind of explain um, the things that you've seen that haven't really sat well with you.
1: I mean, I think, you know, ultimately, like when you look at the arc of the show over 20 years, I think they've definitely provided us with some of the best and most memorable reality TV show cast members in the history of the genre. And so I think they've done very well in that sense. Um, At some point, they started to lean heavily on recruiting people. That worked really well in some ways by bringing people who wouldn't apply because they didn't see anyone like themselves who are already playing the game um so we got some amazing cast members um as as a result of that but they also i think in recent seasons have gotten a little bit heavy on recruiting people who may not even know the game very well and then during casting they make them watch a recent season and so they come on and they're like, oh, I'm going to play like that person from last season because they only know one season. And for those of us who've been watching for 20 years, we want a little bit more than that. Um, I think the, the most interesting thing to me about the casting right now is what happened last summer, which is uh, essentially, according to other Survivor contestants, the person who cast Survivor in The Amazing Race from the start, Lynn Spillman, was fired um, from her job. And the version of the story that is out there and seems credible and hasn't been challenged um, is that Jeff Probst was responsible for letting her go because they didn't see eye to eye. And so basically he's taken over casting now too. Um, There's still... People working in casting, obviously, who have been there before, um, but now we're sort of lacking her eye. Um, and obviously, Lynn has done a lot for the show, so this is one of those. Ca- this cast right now that we're seeing um, is one that Jeff Probst and his team did um, without Lynn. So I will be curious to see how that plays out, and hopefully, we won't even notice. Hopefully, it just is, is um, just a strong cast, but that'll be interesting.
0: One other show I wanted to touch on with you is one that I've just gotten into this season, um, and one that you've talked about for years. So you know way more about this show than I do, uh, and that's Big Brother. Um, this is my actual first season ever of watching regular Big Brother. I watched Hello. both celebrity versions because I knew it was way less time commitment. <laughs> right. um, in the in the past, I've just people have always asked me. My readers and my listeners have said, "Will you cover Big Brother? Why don't you?" Wa-? I'm just like. Well, first off, it's airing in the summer when Bachelorette is on. I just don't have three nights a week to dedicate, for for three months, to dedicate to a to a show. Um, and then I know that there's online feeds and stuff like that that I would want to, you know, at least track and follow or whatever. But um, Holly, who's in the Final Five, uh, is a friend of mine. Um, I found out she was going on the show. So obviously I was like, well, I want to watch... Holly and I might even tune out when she gets eliminated and here she is in the final five. (laughs) Um, But there's been some really interesting, this show kind of fascinates me. And I'm like, I said, I'm a, I'm a newbie to this and I'm, I'm very well aware of the turnaround of filming on this. And, you know, for a guy who's only covered bachelor and bachelorette pretty much his whole life, I, I, I cover a show where there's plenty of time to edit and, Frankenbite and whatever, because we don't see the first episode until the show is completely done filming. Whereas right. big brother is turning stuff around in a day or two. And I've always thought that's, I think that I think that's kind of interesting as I watch the show now. Um, but what, what's kind of taken place over the years and you can speak to the over the over the years stuff with this uh, blatant, you know, misogyny, homophobic racist comments that are being made during the live feeds that, the network show never really touches on. And I think that makes it really fascinating because they're telling us a story on CBS every Sunday, Wednesday and Thursday that we're not necessarily seeing that's happening on the live feed. So kind of, kind of go into that over the years of what you have seen and, and your biggest issue with them.
1: Yeah, no, I think you just, you summarized it very well there. And as I think big brother is a show that I, think has a lot of potential and it always kind of frustrates me that it doesn't quite live up to that potential. Um, Every season has been getting worse at that. But what we do get with big brother, which we get with no other reality show is as close to seeing the raw footage as we'll ever get. Um, They still don't show like the live feeds aren't really 24 seven. We don't get to see the conversations with producers inside the diary room. But for the most part, like there's a lot of stuff that is just getting fed online. I certainly don't have time to watch all of that, so I sort of follow the people who do follow it. Um, I've tuned in some, like, years and years ago, back in the early 2000s, I watched a little bit, sometimes just out of sheer curiosity, and sometimes I'll tune in at night on pop just to kind of, like, have it in the background to catch up on what's happening. But we get to see all the stuff and then see how the producers decide to edit that and how, and as you know, this happens on The Bachelor. It happens on every reality show. They obviously have to oversimplify. They have to condense. Um, just any show has to do that so to make it into air. But what's super frustrating on Big Brother is how transparently manipulative they're being in terms of representing people. And even when you, like, don't even think about the, like, horrifying stuff that's happened, like the, um, like, racist comments or homophobia or the, like, sexism, all that stuff that happens um, and has happened over the years, um, it's still fascinating to see, like, how they will sort of play up one character as a a character's virtues and play down someone else. Um, This season, it just was, I think, the worst ever. Not in terms of like, we've had more racist casts and more or kick casts who've said more racist things and been mo- more overtly bigoted and consistently that way. But this season was just like, there was this ugliness from these two players, Jack and Jackson, who's still in the house. Um, yeah. They call Jackson Michi, some, or Mickey or whatever. By yeah. um, his, his last name. And uh, they were targeting um, a woman, Kemi, who was black or still is black. She's not in the house anymore. Um, she But then, like, when we saw them on television, they basically turned her into this villain and showed them to be these, like, amazing sort of knights in shining armor and people who were, like, upstanding, lovable, like doesn't isn't it funny that Jack looks like Jason Momoa and aren't we gonna so it was just it was so frustrating to watch them completely manipulate um, that portrayal and then on top of that we've learned that like Kemi was being asked by a producer to talk and act in more stereotypical ways um, and And then, like, just recently, actually, a week or two ago, you probably saw this, but, like, Holly was basically being reprimanded for talking about um, her conversations with the producers. And she basically just screamed at them, like, stop telling me what to fucking say in the diary room and I won't uh, won't have to talk about it. Like, stop trying to put words in my mouth. So the cast members are basically kind of revolting in, in some ways and saying you're trying to manipulate the show and the portrayals of us. Um, and that's just super fascinating, like whether or not the show is good on any other level. I think that's interesting, especially to people like us who cover a lot of the behind the scenes here. Um, so
0: yeah. yeah. Anyway. I think, I think one thing that I saw and I saw this on a, uh, on a Twitter feed that somebody sent to me was, and the show actually addressed it, but it was such a condensed version this fight that Holly and Jackson got into. I mean, they've basically been a couple since day two or three. Um, they got a really big kind of discussion about, because she said she called him an asshole or a fucking asshole in front of the other group. And he kind of talked down to her about it. Um, somebody took the live feeds of that whole conversation and it was literally 25 minutes long. We maybe saw two minutes of it sure. on, on the, uh, on the network show and I'm watching it and I'm like, everything that's being said about Jackson is true. I mean, he was basically gaslighting her and making her feel bad and making it just, it it didn't make any sense whatsoever. And I'm like, Oh God, Holly, you're falling for this guy's act. Like he was making her feel so bad and turned everything around on her. And she ended up forgiving him. She's crying and saying, I'm sorry. I didn't mean, I didn't mean it. And just she's oh God, I I, I hated seeing it. I literally watched all 25 minutes or whatever it was when I, added up all those videos that were posted and it was it was disturbing to watch and it was a very it was a very white male privilege behavior that jackson was giving to holly and she was falling for it and it sucks because they are a couple It looks like they're going to be a couple post show um might have to have a little talk with her <laughs> just say like hey you, re- you realize what he's doing here right
1: but I'm so curious too like when she gets out and then starts and this is the thing the thing that's interesting about Big Brother in, in terms of its format like they're stuck in this tiny little house and like I've been in there it's like a half a soundstage it smells horrifyingly bad because they don't clean well and it just smells like trash and garbage and you know, like a locker room. It's just, and they're like kept in there. They don't have much daylight when they can't go outside because there's challenges being constructed. And so, and then there's all this paranoia about what everyone else is saying. So I'm always curious, like what happens when someone gets out and then starts watching what they missed and like how much of it do they watch? Do they watch the live feeds? Do they just go read what people have written? Um, But I'm curious, like, will she come out and see that and then just realize what he's been doing all season? And, you know, freak out and react or will their sort of connection and the fact that she didn't see that override whatever she does see on those tapes?
0: Yeah, that's it's going to be interesting because, like, is she really going to go back and watch three months worth of shows? Like, I don't know.
1: Like, Yeah, uh, I wouldn't want to do that.
0: Especially if you just lived it. Yeah, you just lived it. I can't imagine any of these people get out and be like, all right, let me start at episode one and watch everything back. But I mean, I think one thing that you said, the the Kemi situation, um, obviously, Julie Chan actually confronted Jack when he came out about it, and he gave, you know, kind of a half ass answer and, you know, said, I, that's not what I was, you know, saying. And we had an inside joke running or whatever he, his answer was. It definitely <clears throat> didn't seem like he was making an a uh, an asian reference because the joke was something about rice pudding and um oh that was with um isabella i think that was definitely yes. different
1: and it, it was like it was something she confronted him on it was also like one of the least i mean it was it was something he said and it was like confusing what he was referring to but like of all the things he's done this season there was like not you know like she didn't mention 90% of it. So it was one of those moments, I think where the show wants to take credit a little bit, kind of like we were talking about with bachelor in paradise earlier, where the show is like, look, we're calling out the racist, but it's like, you actually aren't. And there's all these other people who are doing stuff too. And your own producers are doing things that are problematic. So, um, yeah.
0: Well, since you've watched past seasons of big brother and I, I noticed it this season and you pointed out as well, that the first four people who were voted out were all people of color um is does that happen often on this show
1: um it has and it's it's also, it happens like i noticed it more on survivor and a few years ago it was started to become a really significant pattern on survivor yeah. where they would cast and these are like, people who and then like who are really interesting players and then the other cast members would find these like really bizarre and um weird and unexplained reasons to vote them out um right away and then so i think it's a pattern that happens and i think it's one of the things that happens when you have somebody who is a quote-unquote other in the sense that they don't you know it's like well we're all white people and you're not and so we even though we might like you as a person we see you as different and so you're an easy target um so i think big brother has actually more insipid problem or it's not insipid um just more more problems than that uh particular trend but this season was particularly bad and basically the production's twists allowed it to happen like on day one they asked someone to banish a bunch of people and then they created this dumb twist where everyone who was kicked out got to live in squalor and have to dress in uniforms. And the fact that it happened to only be non-white people who were living there um, just highlighted what a terrible idea that was and why you shouldn't build otherness into your reality TV game structure.
0: Yeah. I I really enjoyed this season because I, I enjoy it for the sole fact of the basic premise of it is kind of like survivor you're isolated and you are voting people out who ultimately will have a hand in determining whether or not you get paid at the end of this thing. And I, that's what I've always liked is how do you not piss somebody off enough to where they will vote for you in the end? Because they ultimately will be the jury of who wins. Um, right. I, I hope anybody wins, but Jackson, um, yes. I, think they, <laughs> I mean, I think I, I seem to think that's a lot of people's um, uh, the public is what they would rather see. I think they would rather see Nicole, Holly, Tommy, or, um, uh, who am I, um, who am I blanking on? Nicole, Tommy, Holly, or Cliff, uh, yes. win over, o- over Jackson at this point. Um,
1: one final, and this, by the way, this, this show does have a, a history over time. Not everybody, but like the people who we don't want to win the sort of quote unquote villains or just people who behaved awfully tend to win, um and it's in part because of the structure where power switches every other week and also their way of getting to a final two involves usually an entire random competition that doesn't allow anyone to actually work for it um and that often just ends up with like bad choices at the end so i'm i'm hoping for that outcome too but i'm not going to hold my breath yeah um
0: I, I one final thing i wanted to um to end with was just you know, being a, a television critic that you are, and I, obviously you get screeners to things that are that are coming up. Um, currently, stuff that is on the air, is there anything that's on your radar that you're watching that maybe isn't getting national attention, but you think is a pretty solid reality show right now? And then anything coming up on the horizon to tell people to tune into?
1: Yeah, so a couple of things that I'll just highlight. One premiered on Friday and is now streaming um, the entire season uh, for people who have showtime. Um, it's a show called Couples Therapy, and it's basically um, people who are have been married or in relationships n- meeting with a therapist. And the episodes are really short. There's only eight or nine of them, um, but it's super fascinating insight into these couples, their relationships. I feel like for Bachelor fans and bachelor in um, paradise bachelor all of those shows would be it's like kind of like a deeper dive into the dynamics of relationships but then with like a, a mediator or a moderator to sort of call you on your shit and uh, point out what's happening in the relationship so it's a really simple quiet show not a big bombastic reality tv show but um, I'm really loving that so that's on showtime um, in terms of competitions like baking show is back I just love that because it's so charming and nice and everyone is um, and Netflix for this time for the the first time is actually showing us the UK's show um, a few days after it airs in the UK so we're basically seeing it at the same time um, people in Britain are which is nice uh, and another show that came out this summer that I really loved um, was Hyperdrive on Netflix which is a car racing competition of all things uh mm. i'm not a i'm not a car guy uh but it's just like extremely well done super cool like visuals and like really strong cast members who are these drivers and they're just doing insane things with their cars um and i'm jealous because i want to try out it's like an it's basically like american ninja warrior but for cars uh and i think that that is super cool and it was a lot of fun
0: isn't the uh isn't there like a like a sister show to the banking, baking one that's coming up this Christmas season with rapping. Aren't they doing something without a rap? Yes. I'm
1: I'm looking forward to that. That's, that's going to be on free form. Um, it's called rap battle W R A P. Um, And it's from the producers of skin wars, which was a show that aired a few years ago on GSN. Um, But basically it's going to be yeah, a gift wrapping competition judged <laughs> by Carson Cressley um, and some other people. So it, it looks like it's going to be ridiculous. And I'm all, I'm all for that. Yeah, I was going
0: to say like, we are now at the point where we're watching a reality show on how to wrap gifts. Like exactly. I, you think that we couldn't, like, I think over the years we've said like, what new concept could possibly be out there? We feel, I feel like we've seen every reality show possible. And then now we get, some, gift we're going to get something new. It's about gift wrapping.
1: Like how exactly. is it speed? <laughs> is it look or is it both? Like, how, I think, how, yeah. And- it sounds like also they're going to make them wrap like ridiculous things. Like how do you wrap a car or like, how do you, you know, like, a, like, so it's probably going to be silly and fun, but I'm all, especially at the holidays, silly and fun works. Yeah. Um, and Speaking of that, just like a, just a kind of shout out a show that's returning that I hope more people watch um, is the NBC show Making It, uh, which first aired last summer. You can stream that on demand. I think it might be on Hulu and other places, um, but it, it's a competition among people who do crafting, basically. Um, the highlight of the show is the fact that it's hosted by uh, Nick Offerman and Amy Poehler. And it's just nonstop puns and charm. And, um, they make really cool stuff out of, you know, like pipe cleaners and foam and construction paper and glitter. Um, but it's also just like really funny and weird, um, hosting that, uh, is, is basically makes the entire show.
0: Interesting. I mean, there's a lot, especially in like Christmas time where they do like these one week shows where they run it every night for a week. Right. Um, yeah, and some of them take off, and and some of them just run that one week, and we never see it again. But, um, again, Andy, thank you so much uh, for coming on. I really appreciate it. It's it's good having you on. This is the second time we've had you on. It's been about a year, I think, I since think so, we've yeah. had you on. So uh, definitely we'll have you on again in the future. I love your insight. And you can go to uh, realityblurred.com uh, to see Andy's recent postings, especially the one that compared, um, are you the one to the Bachelor in Paradise and how both handled it. I thought that was really well written. So, um Again, Andy, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it, and uh, Thanks, we'll talk Steve, to you I, soon.
1: I appreciate that, Steven. Keep up the good work in uh, holding Bachelor uh, <laughs> producers to account. I, I love that.
0: Oh, thank you. I appreciate it, uh, and talk to you soon, man.
1: Have a good one. Thanks. Uh,
0: thank you so much to uh, Andy for coming on. I love talking TV with anybody, um, as you could tell last week when we talked with Kristen, and then this week with Andy. It's been a while since we had Andy on, and um, you know, being a gay man himself, I really wanted to get his take on how Bachelor is handling the Demi stuff. And as a gay man, he even is kind of offended by the exploitation of it. Um, But like I said, I've gotten plenty of people who have emailed me and said, I get that it's produced, but we're happy to see just any same-sex coverage by any network show. And so it's like, yeah, um, I have no issue with Demi and Christian and and what they're exploring on the show. Um, I just wanted to bring to you that there's nothing organic about it. And um, it doesn't mean that it's negative. Um, it just means that I think they could have gone about it in a, in a better way. But thanks to Andy for coming on again. I've, I've linked to the stuff that we talked about, the Survivor stuff, the Big Brother stuff, and the Are You The One versus Bachelor stuff is on the site today as well. So check that out. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. It is much appreciated. I'm sorry I didn't have a column on Tuesday. To be honest with you, got back from Vegas on Monday afternoon, and I was just beat. Did I do anything extravagant? Was I up till four in the morning in Vegas for four nights? No, wasn't even close, but I just get such a ass whip when I get back from Vegas. I'm just, I need to veg out for literally a day or two and just do nothing. Um, and so that's what I did. I was, it was more just laziness why I didn't do Tuesday's column. Um, so we're nearing the end of bachelor in paradise. As you know, um, Tuesday will be the finale um, they're not going to show anything Monday because that's the Dancing with the Stars premiere. But Tuesday will be the reunion show. And um, and then that'll be it for Bachelor in Paradise. Peter's season starts filming next Friday, February, February, um, Friday, September 20th. I will post Peter's contestants. Um, I've got about half the cast right now. I don't know if I'm going to do all 15 that I have next week. I'll see how it goes. But I've got about 15 of the women uh, on Peter's season, and this is a very attractive cast. Um, These rumors floating around that they're going to cast less Instagram models and less of this, it's like, no, not based on what I have, and I've got over half the cast. So um, plenty of women that are part of modeling agencies, plenty of women that have been in music videos, um, that are signed with agencies. Like, yeah, I don't know where that rumor came from, but it couldn't be more false, but that's not to say these aren't. Attra- I mean, we know, I know nothing about these women's personalities. I can, I can only go off what I've seen on Instagram and on um, Facebook. Very attractive women uh, this season for Peter, um, but don't be swayed into thinking that it's going to be any different. And honestly, you know, you can say we're not going after Instagram influencers anymore. We're not going to go that route or whatever. Even if you cast 25 women who weren't, models or Instagram influencers or whatever, it's once they become on the show, once they get on the show and then are off the show is when most of them become Instagram influencers. I mean, I don't really think the show has gone after women that were sole main job was Instagram influencer before they came on the show, maybe a few here and there. It's what happens to them once they're on it and once they get a taste of fame And once they get a bunch of strangers on the Internet telling them how great they are and they get a bunch of followers that they never would have had in a million years, that's what turns them into Instagram influencers. So you can say what you want about that's not what they're going after, but it's what happens to them after the fact is where it usually happens. You know, they determine, oh, my gosh, I had when I came on the show, I had twenty five hundred followers. Now I'm over seven hundred and fifty thousand. What can I do with this? Oh, well, I can sell this ad. Oh, I can go to this appearance and make money here. Oh, I can go on Paradise and get even more followers. I mean, that's what it's turned into. So it's more or less – and you can't really talk somebody out of it. These women are basically weighted on hand and foot and are on a national TV show on network television watched by 7, 8 million people a week that is very popular. It is huge in the pop culture world, and now all these people are recognizing them they get caught up in it. They all do. And if they say they don't, they're lying. So it's that's what it's become. And um, but yeah, but just off the bat, I can tell you that I I don't know the exact number, but there are I wanna say three to five of the women that I have right now already have over twenty-five thousand followers on Instagram, which is nothing compared to, you know, the the Hannah G's of the world and Hannah B's and Tyler and Colton and all that. I mean, yeah, they're in the millions, but those people I remember Cassie was under 10,000 last year when she started as The Bachelor uh, on Colton season. Cassie had less than 10,000 followers, and now she's at, you know, what, 1.6, 1.7 million, something ridiculous like that. But the fact that somebody would have 25, 30,000 followers, which I think three to five of Peter's women do have right now, um, shows you that they already have some sort of base following. So anyway, look out for that uh, next week. I don't know how many I'm going to post, but I'll, I'll post quite a few of them. So look for that next week. Thanks again to Andy for coming on. Thank you for all listening. I really appreciate it. This will do it for podcast number, oh God, I the number 147, I think. Anyway, uh, we'll be back next week. Talk to you then. See you.